listening to the Soul Source Podcast. I'm your host, Raquel Amell. Soul Source exists to share stories that are influencing our world today. We're going straight to the source of information to give you the best insights and show you what's being done about issues we're talking about here on the show and how you can help make a difference. We're bringing you experts in government, climate concerns, race relations, cultural shifts, gender challenges, and so much more. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're just getting started. We don't need to build more tension. We don't need to build more stress and anxiety with gut reactions to things and, and, and trying to build divisiveness throughout all of this. Hey everyone, you're listening to Soul Source. I'm your host, Raquel Amel. And if you've been listening to us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we talk about stories here that are just influencing us in the current moment and things that are just happening. And so the thing that's been happening to all of us, and it's almost something that we can't seem to get away from, has been COVID-19. But that is because it's the biggest pandemic to hit our world in 100 years. So today we're talking about a sector of the population who is really severely impacted when we're told to stay home and told to self-quarantine. We're talking about people who are battling addiction. And many of the people that struggle through addiction, they're working through that recovery process and they can feel secluded and that can only be compounded a little bit more right now, making things that much more difficult. So I'm joined today with Jesse Heffernan. He's the recovery coach over at Helios Addiction Recovery Services. Jesse, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, I want to just kick this off right away with asking what might be the most obvious question. What is a recovery uh, a recovery coach? That's a that's a great question. And uh, there's there's a lot of terms that that folks throw around, like you know even in this new field, we'll call it, right? So we've got, um, you know, traditionally, we've talked about people who, uh, for the most part, like 12-step culture is really what a lot of people know about when they think about like stop drinking or stop using drugs, right? And in that kind of world, they have mentors or sponsors, as they call them. And then you've got the other side, kind of like the professional therapeutic uh, counseling side of things. And you know, kind of the middle lane between those two things is what we call recovery coaching or peer services. And recovery coaches and peers are anyone who's interested in being a part of the recovery field, and they may have lived experience being a person in recovery themselves. They may be a family member, an ally, or a friend. But there's a there's a slew of trainings that they can go through to become what we call a recovery coach. And there's someone that will help remove barriers, set goals, you know, look at a person's whole life, not just one aspect. We like to say that coaches look at a, per a person's potential, not their pathology. So we're not focused on like what exact substance you used or we're, we're not looking at like how to diagnose you. We're looking at like, okay, well, what does this mean for you in your life? How can we create a wellness plan that looks at all these different dimensions? Because we know that the substance itself is a symptom of a lot of other things that have happened in a person's life. And so we want to look at what the quality of a life person, you know, what they've got going on so that we can help address all those different things, right? So they really become this front line of connecting and being the bridge between when a person enters recovery and connecting them to all the resources, not just, you know, fellowship meetings or therapy, but to all the different things, right? Like where do you get help with rent and car insurance and all this different stuff. And that is just so important, I think, to have that that con connection with a person who understands that it's an all-encompassing issue. It's not just one piece, like you said. So this exactly. is really, really unique. 
It is. And and again, like, you know, myself, you know, I've been, I'm a person in, in both mental health and substance use recovery a little over 19 years now. And so, you know, I worked at, at Harmony Cafe for a number of years uh, for Goodwill Industries. And that's really where I saw like kind of this gap between the recovery community and like all the resources, because it was our job to kind of have like this resource hub mentality, if you will. And, and really like, you know, the coaching and peer movement is the bridge between those things. It's about creating and filling the gaps that traditional services aren't able to fill. So that interaction then with people is a very big part of what you do. It's a big part of your job. So mm -hmm. how is this coaching piece being altered, changed while we're all trying to be socially distanced here with coronavirus? Yeah, and, and you know, I, Again, you know, I, I like the idea of like we're physically distanced, not socially distanced. And and I think that like most fields, you know, so the, the telehealth industry or the telecommunication is, industry has blown up in the last week. Um, yeah. I've seen a number of treatment facilities and nonprofit organizations switch over to that pretty rapidly. And I think that, um, you know, I was working with an organization and I'm working with an organization that was looking at like, how do we employ peers and coaches on a telehealth level. And, and so we're starting to see that emergence happen and there's some groups doing that already. So from like the coaching standpoint, like some of that transition starting to happen. And, you know, there's, there's a lot with, when we talk about substance use recovery and the need for human connection and the need for like, you know, just to have this kind of interaction with people. And, and I think that there's a tremendous amount of fear, right. That comes with like, what is this going to do when I can't connect with the groups that I go to with my therapist? And so a lot of places I see fellowship meetings going to, to do Zoom meetings now. And a lot of people are adapting pretty quickly. They understand the need to maintain this kind of connection with people. Um, so that's that's promising. And, and yet I know that there's some folks that I connect with on a regular basis that are just feeling it. You know, we're still in that adapting stage to what is it like to to be in a room with like all just faces, right? And and uh, and not be able to hug someone or be able to connect with someone because that physical touch is, is important to a lot of people, you know? And, and just being able to see someone and have space and presence with them. And at the same time, you know, the job of a coach and another term that I like it, that I, that I hear for it is like being a compassionate witness, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about me fixing your problems and it's about me holding space with you and just being able to listen to you. And if you want advice or suggestions, or if you want to develop goals, cool, we can do that. We can create those things and we can improve different areas of your life. But sometimes folks just come in with a, with a ton of anxiety and stress and they're just like, I just need to get it off my chest. And, and coaches and peers can be there just to hold that space for someone. And I think that's going to be especially important as we move forward uh, with the quarantine and, and as we hopefully flatten the curve, as the kids say. <laughs> that listening piece is so critical. And, and yeah, I mean, it's something we're always being told, I feel like, is listen more than you speak. But now, I mean, really listening could be very important. It's, it's super important. And, you know, before even this, uh, even the pandemic ramped up, you know, there's been a lot of conversation just about the need to hold space with people and to listen because on one hand, like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, invitation, if you will, from celebrities and organizations saying like you need to talk, right? You need to get out there. You need to share your feelings. And and what I call that is more like we need to teach people emotional maturity, if you will, right? Like it's okay to be vulnerable. 
It's okay to put that stuff out there. I think that, um, and this is completely unscientific, but here we go. Um, when you bottle that stuff up, you know, that's what turns into different physical ailments in a sense, right? Like, it, or it can at least, right? Like we know stress does stuff to the body. Um, so the more that we can encourage people to open up, you know, um, and talk about things, mental health, suicide, substance use, that's kind of like the trifecta, right? Like that we need to have more conversation around. That's great. But we also need to then match that with the amount of people that can listen, right? And yeah. One of the other things that's going to be interesting in this time period is the amount of folks that are still actively using, whether it be substances or alcohol, right? What are they going to do in this time? And in the fallout that's going to happen from that, right? Um, if people are forced to be quarantined or if they can't get out and, and, and get access to things and having to detox at home and not access medical services, um, Again, the need for more of this telecommunication is going to be important. If at the very least, to be able to give recommendations to someone to do what they can do at home to help taper off different substances. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things is with with us working closely with technology and and um, talking to people, I do feel like there are some limitations to that. Um, one of those being that, yes, you can check in and you can talk with someone on technology, but you do get a better read on how somebody is doing in person because somebody could show you what they want to show you through technology. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of read people, know if someone is truly doing okay, how they're really coping through things when we're talking virtually like this? What I've learned throughout my years as a recovery coach is like, you know, it's not, I, I'm not going to take a punitive stance. If someone's like telling me this thing and they're like, my life is great. And I'm not using or whatever, and then they really are, like that's not on me, right? And I'm not going to, uh, like a lot of systems, like I'm not, it's not my job to punish that person or to, um, you know, shame them out of doing whatever they're doing, right? Like if someone's choosing to put this front up to me and, and they're still continuing to do this behavior, that means I have to adjust, right? That means I have to do something differently. How can I, the, the entire role of the coach and the peer is to meet the person where they're at. So if you, if you take a few steps back, right, like substance use is a diagnosable disease, right? We know that it's a brain disease. Um, I've been reading before all this happened. Coincidentally, I was reading a lot about social contagions and how like just external circumstances can awaken things within people that are disease related kind of a thing. And, and there's some there's some studies around that with with addiction um, because of certain genes that can be turned on and everything. Right. Um, so if I'm if I if I'm working with people who have a diagnosed disease, like I don't go to like a cancer survivor and be like, oh, you're really eating really un unhealthily right now. Right. And maybe some time in like a 28 day treatment center will get you to think better. Or maybe we should put you in jail for a few days. Maybe that'll help your thinking about your health. Right. So we've created this, this stigma around people with substance use disorder that we have to punish them out of a medical type of thinking, which is insane, right? That's why it hasn't worked, right? That's why we continue to see the number of overdoses, alcohol-related. I mean, alcohol is far worse than any substance that's out there right now, over 88,000 deaths per year, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and yet, it's something that we pass off as normal in a lot of ways. And so... Because the other side of that is going into recovery and saying that you need help. And, and the way that we have 
made help look so far is that you're being punished, you've done something wrong, or there's something wrong with you internally that you need to do this stuff. Whereas if we reframe those things and say, no, you've just got something going on, right? A gene or something like that. And we're going to use this practice to help you deal with and cope with these things and treat you like a human being. I think we would alleviate a lot of that stigma and stress on people. That is a great point. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about some of the, you know, being in quarantine isolation. You said that that is kind of how people end up coming out of addiction and recovering in the first place. Um, but then there is that, that piece of working together. So can you talk with me a little bit about how, um, yes, being alone might be part of the detox process, but that once you're out of that, how do you prevent yourself from relapsing when you're feeling possibly depressed or anxiety and we're mm -hmm. still in this um, pandemic world two weeks I from now? Yeah, so I, I think there's a few pieces that one, you know, first off, if someone is experiencing any kind of detox from any kind of substance, I highly recommend, like, if you can go to the doctor and it's still safe, please do so. If you can access online outpatient treatment of any kind, please do so. I know, like, Rogers uh, Hospital here in Appleton is switching a lot of their outpatient services to be telehealth related. Um, so first and foremost, make sure you're seeking, you know, professional medical help, right? Once you're in a place where you're ready to find that connection and do those kind of things, like, yes, we have to adhere to um, staying home, but there are a number of resources. And so there's uh, uh, online meetings uh, in the rooms.com. Uh, there's Recovery Link, who's like kind of like this combination of different organizations from across the country that are providing free online meetings. Um, NA and AA are providing online meetings, Smart Recovery. So there's a lot of places, like I said, that are jumping into that. And, you know, just to have this like one-on-one -on -one connection can be really important too. Um, so connecting with coaches and peers. And as that starts to ramp up, we can do that. But part of the thing with being a coach is that I would want to sit down with someone and say, well, what are the things that you have going on right now? Right. What are the things that it may have uh, triggered you in the past, you know, to want to pick up substances again or read, lead to a reoccurrence of symptoms? And, and how can we address those things in your home, right? Do you need to get rid of some stuff? Do you need to not talk to certain people? What does your day-by-day -day plan look like? And can you identify four or five things on a regular basis, right? So, so structure is important. How can we create a structure in your life in the midst of all of this? And routine is important and healthy eating and getting up and moving around is really important, you know? So just developing those things, which could be applicable to anybody at this time, but you know, some folks don't have to also think about, you know, well, man, I'd really like to go get, you know, substances or, or drunk or do whatever at this time. That's not on the back of everyone's mind. So we have to add some extra care and, and you know, some extra connection with those folks that are struggling with that piece as well. So um, if someone has someone, a loved one, a family member, a friend who they know is either recovering or is dealing with some of these um, substance issues, what can that person do? What can they do to make sure that they can help and support those people mm -hmm. that they care about? You know, and, and, and I would say first for that person, like I, I would say like one, check in with yourself, right? So like there's like this pies check-in, I call it, right? Physical, okay. intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, right? P-I-E-S, oh. pies check-in, right? Check in with yourself there first, right? How are you doing physically? Do you need to get up and move around a little bit? The intellectual, I like to think of like, 
how many tabs do I have open in my brain and how many can I shut down? Um, there's now like this new running program of ongoing anxiety in the background with everything going on. So, so check in with yourself around those four areas. And then, you know, like, and it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be like 100% in all those areas. Just check in. That's all I'm saying is just see where you're at and then extend that invitation out to other people, right? If you can check in like just by text with four people a day, how's it going today? How can I support you? Just pretty plain and simple, you know, just what do you need? What can I do to support you today? And and maybe your pies check-in is like, nope, I'm like really like a lot of anxiety today and I haven't moved. That's okay, right? Maybe you have to be the person that reaches out and says, hey, I could just use some connection today. So I, I think at this time, you know, it's really important that if everybody connected with four people every day, you know, everyone would have someone to talk to. Everyone would have a place to be able to get connected. And and if you're not sure what to say to someone, just be like, hey, how are you doing physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually today? What's your pies check-in today? And uh, I think that'd be a great start for folks. It's incredible, the impact, the reach that you can have. If everyone just did four people, it would be it would be a wave. It would change things. Right. It certainly would. And And that's what... I think, you know, as this goes on and, and we're looking at it at a minimum, right, of April 24th, right? Yeah. So we've got a month um, to really practice being socially connected, physically distant, um, but really developing this, I think, this kind of new opportunity for all of us to hit some reset buttons. So so personally, you know, this is an opportunity for me to look at some stuff and, and catch up on reading and look at some things and dig in a little bit. Like, I believe that, you know, I do a lot of recovery advocacy work and you can't do this work unless you do the work inside. And, and I think that's an invitation for a lot of folks. We, when we just look at a, in a broader general sense of, of divisiveness and things that are going on, right? Like, well, maybe this is the opportunity to do some of that internal emotional maturity work. I wish that Facebook would create a thing where it's like, before you post something, it would say, do you want to post this? Are you sure you want to post this? Like, check in three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> and and because, again, like, it, we, don't, we don't need to build more tension. We don't need to build more stress and anxiety with gut reactions to things and, and, and trying to build divisiveness throughout all of this, right? And, and I think a lot of the stuff that folks get taught in recovery and that we as recovery coaches teach is applicable to to everyone right now because we're all kind of in this place right now where we need connection and we need to have compassionate witnesses to work with us and what we're doing right now. So um, you mentioned some of the services, but how easy is it for people to be able to access these and reach out and get help if they feel they need it? One is you know just kind of checking in if you're if you currently have insurance and you can call them or look at your plan, right? Look at what's available to you throughout that plan. Um, if not, you know, you can always call a treatment provider or a recovery community organization and, and see what kind of things that they have available. Just ask. I mean, so like here in the Valley, we've got Solutions Recovery in Oshkosh. We've got Apricity in Nina. We've got Darjun in Green Bay. We've got Wiz Hope in Wapaka. You know, so we've got like some on the ground kind of locations that people can call that will connect them with coaches and peers to help them through this process right now, right? To, to, to see what kind of level of help they get. Again, they're not gonna do, they're not gonna diagnose or, or run them through the gamut of like DSM-5 questions, but they're gonna be like, where are you at right now? And how can we help you? So it, it can be kind of like on this scale, depending upon your insurance and access to resources, pretty easy to like extremely difficult, you know? 
And it was difficult prior to all of this, you know, even for someone like me who knows a lot of the folks in the area um, and it's pretty resourceful, like some days and sometimes it, it took a little bit to get folks into the places that they needed to be. So um, I'm really hoping that we can create more opportunity throughout all of this. And uh, this is really going to show kind of the cards of, of where we're at as uh, a state, particularly um, with the amount of resources and the access to help. There's definitely going to be, I feel like, some shifts and some learning that comes out of this at the end. Um, so I guess I'm just going to kind of leave it open as in, I feel like a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, I feel like it can be translated not just for recovering addiction, but for people in general as a whole. Um, some of the stuff is specific, but I feel like a lot of it is just checking in, see how people are doing, stay in contact, and don't forget to take care of yourself and all of this as well. Yeah. And, and, and like, again, like I'd say, like, start there, start with the internal check-ins, start with, with those pieces. And then those like, kind of like in your immediate circle and then kind of reach out and, you know, and there's no better time than now when you've been thinking about texting someone maybe for the last month to see how they're doing. Well, now's the time. Um, be like, how are you doing? What do you need? What's going on? Isn't this a strange time we live in? So on and so forth. Um, it's an odd episode of Black Mirror, if you will. And so, you know, find those places and find those things. I, I think, you know, speaking of Black Mirror, like Netflix even has this option now where you can host like watching parties with people. So you can all be watching the same movie and same show at the same time and, and texting each other and, you know, talking and giving feedback on different things. So, so again, like we're adapting and a lot of agencies and organizations are adapting. Um, and I, I want to give a shout out to, to the folks that are staying, you know, at the places that are staying in treatments and hospitals and, and the folks in grocery stores. I mean, when you talk about quality of life, I mean, we've got people out there that are really like, they, it was so interesting. Like, you know, we wouldn't have thought twice about, you know, grocery store workers two weeks ago. I'm like, eh, whatever, right? Now they're our lifeblood, right? And, and believe it or not, they were our lifeblood prior to this. Um, mm -hmm. So it's about reassessing our perspective on life and, and thanking those people, um, thanking those people who are staying in these places right now that are, you know, I don't like to call people essential or non-essential, but um, I think that there's just some folks that are, are helping this country and our state and our community run right now, and I'm internally grateful for them. Um, for those of you who are struggling or have a family member that's struggling, you know, you can reach out to some folks, um, get connected as soon as possible, you know, Facebook Live or, or do whatever it is that you have to do. But um, I really appreciate you as well identifying this. I mean, this wasn't even preempted. Like you're like, hey, this is a thing we should talk about. So the 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 fact that you know your your PR firm is is looking at the community impact of addiction, you know, mental health and, and all that stuff that comes in with this is is also really great in that being a part of the solution of of reducing stigma, right? And and so I thank you so much for doing that and being willing to have me on this call here. Oh, well, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate that. That's very kind. And we will make sure to share those resources with everyone as well so that they can see uh, how they can get help if you're struggling, if you need help. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jesse. I really appreciate it. We'll definitely be in touch down the road to talk some more. Sounds great. Thank you. Hey, if you like what you heard here, head on over to Spotify and Stitcher and subscribe to Soul Source. That way you get alerts when a new show posts, which is every Monday morning. 
And by the way, there's one more thing. Have you heard about our Soul Source Society? It's a secret Facebook page that we interact with listeners on, share special content only seen there, talk about our shows, get ideas for future podcasts, and just overall have a lot of fun. That's Soul Source Society on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communication, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com.